Hello and welcome to another live installment of the Albion Obsessed podcast. Um, yes, don't adjust your speakers or your screens. I am your host today because Tom is traveling back up north. So unlucky, Tom. Um, but before we get into the episode, let's see who joins me on the show today. Dagan, how are you, my friend? Uh, Joe, I'm I'm a little bit better at this fine moment. Enjoying uh, maybe a less than desirable result for our, our dear friends to the north. Um, but no, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I look forward to talking. I'm excited to see Alex and Curtis back with us. And you and the host here as well. Thank you. Thank you, Dagan. Um, Curtis, you join us um, after being at the game yesterday. Um, first of all, how was your experience and how are you? Um, it's always good to get to the Amex, no matter the result. It was good to see people. Um, uh, I'm doing okay. Um, I'm looking forward to chatting about uh, uh, whatever that was yesterday. So, Whatever that was yesterday. Yes, we will get more into that as the evening unfolds. And we are returned. Thank you, Alex, for coming back. You must have enjoyed yourself last week. So that is a positive. Alex on the Reddit. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, it was a great time last week. Thanks for having me back. Uh, yeah, obviously, uh, yesterday's result wasn't too great, but looking forward to uh, picking it apart. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and wearing your favourite shirt, which you picked last week, um, the red and black from the 2014-15 season. Beautiful they, choice. They sir. made them a bit tighter back then, right, I think? Either that was shrunk in the wash or something, I don't know. I can guarantee you I wouldn't I would not fit into mine because back then I would fit into a medium now I'm extra large so you Alex, know. it's because you've put on a lot more muscle. Ah yeah that's what it is it's the that's yeah the it's the weights up into yeah, it. Yeah, thanks yeah. thanks guys <laughs> thanks. That's that's what Curtis is all about bringing the positivity to everyone. Um so before we dive into the uh the match that was yesterday let's do our new segment which is called this week in Brighton and Hove Albion news so the f- we're going to start off with a little bit of bad news um that roberto de Zerbi came out and said jao pedro will be out for up to four weeks dagan obviously top scorer this season um top scorer in the europa league i don't know if that's still the case now after the the other games have, have been played um but how much of a blow is that losing uh such an important figure for a little bit of time uh it's soul sucking it's soul sucking Jao Pedro is so dynamic. I've talked at length. Um, I just hope he's back for at least one of the Roma games, if not, if not the first. That's uh, yeah. I just think I just think we're we're better. We're more imposing. We're more threatening with him out there. Uh, he his ability to receive the ball and turn quickly. His aerial ability. Um, his penalty taking. If we are fortunate enough to get one, though, Pascal Gross has acquitted himself nicely in his lone opportunity so far. Um, but yeah, and I think the swagger, the bravado, the, the, just the aura seems to be an, a word we're hearing quite a bit lately as it regards our, our manager. But I think Del Pedro is an extension of that on the pitch that, that we don't see from some of our other players up top. So I think, I think we missed that as much as anything else. Um, and now we've, you know, we've got a new addition that we'll be missing. We'll talk more about that later. Um, yeah. So shorthanded. As we have been all season, it's just figuring out how to adjust to yet another player who's joined the list of those who are not playing. 
Yeah, a couple of, couple of people pointing out in the chat that Ferguson went off injured yesterday. Possibly we haven't heard quite how bad that is. Um, as well, uh, not Lewis, Danny Welbeck was was struggling a little bit as well before he came off. Um, the other news that Dagan was talking about is, of course, Matoma. We are without uh, our Japanese wing wizard, Curtis. Um, unknown period of time. I don't think there's been a time frame put on it. If anyone in the chat knows, just let us know. Um, but yeah, how much of a blow is that as well? Obviously, he came back for Sheffield United um, and is now out again. Yeah, I mean, he's always a huge miss when we don't have him. Um, I, I, I definitely think we looked, we, we missed his intensity yesterday. We missed that dynamic gameplay that he that he brings. So yeah, he's going to be a miss. Um, I, I don't believe he's going to be out for too long. So I'm touching all the wood and crossing all the fingers and everything else. Um but uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. But we'll have to manage as we as we have been uh, with the injuries so far. So, but hopefully he won't be out for too long. Yeah, for sure, Alex. Your your take on obviously two very important players in our attack being being out. But obviously, we're hoping that you know in Ciso coming back and Sufati needing to step up can can sort of fill those roles. Um, how much of a miss will they be? Yeah, big. Uh, it's a big month, right? March is the fixtures in March do not look nice. So I mean, we've got obviously the two Roma matches and City, Liverpool, uh, as well as you know Forest. You know we should should pick up points there. Fulham away, which is we always it's, it's a nasty one that one, right? It's not a great hunting ground for us, Craven Cottage. So um, you know, yeah, we're going to miss him, and I think we missed JP yesterday. To be honest, I think we missed his uh, creativity, but we'll. We'll get into that a bit later, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Alex, let's stay with you. Obviously, uh, the, the big news was this week that we've drawn Roma um, in the next round of the Europa League. Um, it couldn't have gotten much better, really. You know, when, when you're in these competitions for the first time, you want to be playing the big boys, right? Yeah, I think so. I I, I quite fancy Roma. I think it's going to be a, a very entertaining two-legged match. I think we've got every chance of going through. Um, it would be lovely, as we said, to have JP back for one, at least one of those legs, hopefully the, the home leg. Um, they know each other. You know, De Rossi has obviously spoken about his relationship with De Zerbi in the press. You know, he's he's very um, been very kind about him. He knows the football. He knows Italian football. And we know a few of their players as well. So Lukaku, obviously, um, Tammy Abraham, who I think is about to come back from injury if he's not back now. And then Smalling as well is in a similar situation where he, he might be back for a couple of those. So I think, you know, it's, of all the teams, it's, it's a good pick. It's a good one for us, I think. Yeah, definitely. Dagan, you were pointing out um, just last week and, and the week before when uh, the first and second leg of the, the round of 32 was being played, just how exciting those ties were. Do you, do you expect to see something very much the same uh, in the next round of the Europa League? Hopefully oh, a little gosh. bit less stressful. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there were some outrageous finishes uh, in the second leg of the, that round of 32. Um, for my for my heart's sake, I, I hope we are not involved in, in such a finish. Um, I, I just I hope we come out on top. I think Roma is, is a fair matchup for us. I worry about worry about Dybala in the midfield. Um, he's he's incredibly skilled. Uh, so that, that gives me, you know, and I, and I worry about a big striker like Lukaku. I, I just think we have trouble with big physical guys who can match uh you know our guys and maybe even push them around a little bit um but yeah no i'm to y'all's point right we you have to go through those good teams eventually 
So why not have an exciting trip for those who are going to travel with the club, get to Rome and have, have another story to tell. Uh, I have to point out, right. We talked about the group of death and people sort of laughed at that, but all, all the teams from our group are still playing. Um, you know, Marseille obviously advanced and then Ajax advanced in the conference league. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Uh, obviously the only ones losing out were, were Athens. Um, uh, yeah, but if if anyone watching this or listening to this is going to Rome, uh, it'd be great to sort of have you on and, uh, you know, so you can share your experience of, of, you know, the away days that have been so incredible uh, for us. As you say, Dagan, some, some incredible places, Amsterdam, Marseille, even Athens. And, and, you know, who would have thought that would be going to Athens and Rome? in uh, in in the same season it's just yeah it's it's what what dreams are made of um curtis i i i made quite a big call uh to you yesterday that i think if we beat roma um we we really put ourselves in very very good stead to win the whole thing um what 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 do you make of that my opinion uh, is largely unchanged since the, the beginning of all of this um i i'm just riding this thing for for what it is i i'm taking Everything as it is, I'm enjoying every single second of it. Win, lose, or draw, um, it's still some of the most incredible thing, uh, incredible stuff I've 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 seen. And I I never ever in my wildest dreams thought that this could be a possibility for us. So um, so obviously I'm I'm confident. I'm usually always confident about 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 games. Um, so I, I I think that we can give Roma a hard game. You know, I, I do. I do believe that if we win, great. Obviously, if we lose. Oh well, you know, um, it, it is what it is. Um, but I'm just really excited. Ultimately, that's just my overriding thinking about yeah. the whole thing. No, I, I think a lot of Albion fans share your thinking there, Curtis. It's just like how incredible this season's been. Like you know, walking into the into the Amex store, seeing the Europa League branding, you know, hearing that music played out at the Amex um, once every every few few weeks when the fixtures do come along. Um, Alex, we haven't really got your perspective on um, on Albion in Europe, really, because we were obviously talking about the five nil win against Sheffield United last week. And what's what's the journey been like for you as an Albion fan? watching your team who you know suffered 26 27 years ago to right to now you know playing against a, a, a massive team like Rome yeah I mean that it's incredible right it's insane I mean and the thing is I go with my dad right he's been watching it for 60 years so for him it it's just mind-blowing I think he he can't really get over it um but he still still reckons Mark Lawrence is the best Brighton player ever which is a bone of contention but you know he's it, you know it's just it's just lovely for me to go with my dad and my son for us all to see it together and yeah I'm I'm blown away seeing Ajax I, I mean I grew up with that team with that Ajax team and you know the Van Basten and, and Rijkaard and all those guys who came through from that amazing Dutch team Hullet and to think you're playing that club with that pedigree is just yeah madness absolute madness it's been brilliant yeah. I always have a battle um with me with with myself really on what I think was was more special, clinching Europe or getting into the Premier League. For for you, Alex, what is what has been the pinnacle for you as a Brighton fan so far? Uh, I think it's still promotion. I've got to say, I, 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 it's very very close though. It's incredibly close. But promotion, that run, that season was so incredible. I just remember 
Like we used to put, we pulled it out of the bag so many times in so many games, just coming back kind of real clutch, either draws or wins. And just, we just seemed to be so together. I love that team and I love that run. And it was very, very special. I think if we get past Roma, I mean, you know, that's, it's going to start to become very, very special at that point. Yeah. It's really going to be pushing it. It's, it's going to be hard games, to right? Until yeah. the final. Yeah. yeah. Which Until sounds doubling. like no, it's like nothing, really. It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. And Alex, you talk about that team that got us promoted. And, you know, I, I reminisce about them every single day, you know, <laughs> even if it's just to myself to just watch the highlights back or, you know, to, to, to message my dad or my friends who were with me around that time and mm. just reminisce about that team. It was so special. Um, I so wish we were doing this podcast back then. That would have been incredible. Amazing, um, right? yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, Dagan, we're talking about this journey that we're going on and, and you've been, been the guy to sort of come into the Albion family and, and make our dreams sort of feel like a reality when you, when you speak so positively about where this club is going. In the week, Tony Bloom um, was supposedly come out and said that he wants to turn this football club into an established European side. I want to come to you first on this one because it, it's that question, isn't it? How does he do it? Where is that shift? We've been talking about it a lot, but wh- where is that shift for you? So I, I, I told you the summer when I when I talked with him, the look in his eye affirmed exactly what I was suggesting, that we hadn't even begun to reach his goals for the club yet. Um, he just, he had a gleam and a sparkle. Uh, you know, he, he's up to something here. He's not just doing it for, for love of the cause and to keep the team alive. I think he really does want Brighton to be one of the biggest names in the world of football. And when you think about, you know, that's going to take a generation probably to get us there, but the climb has been steady and, and very clear to the eye. Once you draw back far enough to look at it. Uh, So for me, I'm not surprised where we are right now. Like listening to Curtis and and Alex and and you talk about this and, and many others, it's inspiring, but for me, it's, it's just not surprising. This is what I expected to happen. Um, and it's what the overall trajectory of the club suggested would happen. Now, what's the next logical step? It's to make this a perennial you know, way of being for the club where we are established and continually in Europe. There's reason for a revenue standpoint to very much want that to be the case. Um, and I think, you know, when the income becomes more dependable, right, we have that stream of revenue we can expect, then it's logical that we can then more comfortably spend, right? And so I think, you know, Tony Bloom is a businessman and he does look at this and think, okay, you know, I want to minimize risk and he does that incredibly well. Um, But I think here he's seeing, you know, the risk reward opportunity is high. He is maybe more cautious than some of us would be. Some of us would have said, let's spend the money last summer, but he did spend a lot of money last summer. Uh, And then the sort of intermediary step of something like a really expensive loan for Ansu Fati, which was a fair risk, but a short-term risk with potential, you know, big reward, if he stayed healthy and played his potential this year, you know, that could have meant a lot of difference for us. But unfortunately, he suffered another injury. Um, but I think it was a calculated risk. So I think we're going to see some of the same kind of calculated risk this summer. I think there's going to be a lot of value on the transfer market. It's going to be a real buyer's market because a lot of teams are dealing with uh, you know, financial fair play, and they're going to need to sell. And I think he's going to look to capitalize on that market. And I think, I think he knows reliably that's going to be the case. 
And I think that's what's made him a little more comfortable speaking out loud about his big dreams and goals. Yeah, I think it's worth saying as well, um, Dagan, that when you spoke to Tony Bloom uh, in the summer, you showed him the numbers that you'd run on Brighton's success, and he was extremely impressed by that. If anyone hasn't yet gone to Dagan's Twitter page, please do, BHA Fan USA. He runs some incredible threads, really in-depth stuff, um, and it's so interesting to read. Just and it really goes into depth of how this football club has become what it is, um, and that's why I, I I really stand with you when you say what you say, Dagan, is because there's so much that goes into it. Um, so if if you haven't, please do go and read Dagan's stuff. Um, Curtis, the route the route to Europe has been made a little bit easier this afternoon because the blue billion pound bottle jobs lost to Liverpool's under-12s, which means that Europe goes to 7th in the league. We currently sit 7th in the league. Do you fancy your chances? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I do. I do. Um, Obviously, uh, we have to stay together. We have to believe. Um, Hopefully, we can get some of the um, injured players back and we can get a bit more of a stronger unit going because I feel like we're having to we having to rotate and change a lot because due to injuries and things because you know we've recently got a couple back and then a couple more get injured and it's a bit of a topsy-turvy but uh, I don't see why we can't do it I mean we've not dropped out of the top 10 at all uh, this this season so why can't we do it you know why, why can't we do it again so I, yeah I mean I'm, I'm dreadfully i'm excited for the prospect again you know i mean and to go back to something else you were talking about before about um what do we do to ensure us being a sort of european giant hypothetically Mm. um would be to i don't think you need to change a huge amount you know i just obviously spend a bit more cash on some higher quality players hypothetically but other than that i don't think we need to really change a huge amount because we're a very well-run club but i'm biased yeah so yeah, yeah. That, I always go on like opposition fans podcast before we play them and stuff, and um, I always, you know, gush over the fact that how well run we are. We've got an owner as a, a sorry, a, a fan as an owner and everything like that. Um, but you know, they they tend to agree with me, um, and and I think a lot of media and a lot of other other people who love football look at Brighton and think, you know, what a fantastic football club and. Um, I think that was something we should be immensely proud of. Um, Alex, you know, as a, as a as a fan who's seen literally everything at this football club, how how do we make that step of you know keeping hold of these big money players and uh, you know taking that next step to to be what Tony Bloom wants us to be? He's talking about the wage structure, isn't he? At the end of the day, I think he's talking about increasing our wages, the basic wages, and, and raising that bar so you can bring players in at end of contracts. As you say, when these opportunities arise, like this summer, I think you're right. There's a bit of a buyer's market. There's a lot of teams, you know, the, the rumours around Dewsbury Hall, for example, you know, in, in January, and that might rear itself up again. And a lot of Leicester fans were agog that they'd even think about setting, you know, one of their best players and a young English player so you know I think there's there's opportunities there we're so good aren't we at just 
having that plan, it just seems that everything, you know, we uh, there's all these rumours, Dagan, you know very well, there's all these rumours. I'd, I'd love to see the figures of how many of those come off, you know, how many of those that were actually related to, and also what the sources are of the ones that come off, because in my mind, it's always the ones where there's a very strong sources that, that often very much come to fruition. And I think, you know, we're very clever in the way we release information. But just just the whole recruitment thing is very, very well, well run. But yeah, we won't retain people until we can increase our wage structure and we can, you know, we can give players wages to stay and also offering them that that continental competition is obviously so important to bring in bringing the top talent from around uh europe and the world yeah 100 percent. there's there's another little project for you then dagan run the numbers on which transfer <laughs> yeah. targets come off um yeah good luck <laughs> sorry um, for but... giving you more work there mate <laughs> <laughs> he loves it he really I, loves it. I do uh yeah my fellow nerds and i retire to our nerdery uh we'll have something back for you soon um yeah no i yeah i do enjoy it and it yeah i just i like to learn and it's a you know, way of learning about the club and and hopefully you know visualizing the trajectory so you now looking at how many of these you know i think last year it was it was less than 10 percent of the rumored players actually became you know brighton signees uh so that I mean, that gives you some some sense of of how small the percentage is but it would be interesting to see who those initial sources are and what comes through i agree yeah, hundred percent. And Oakley agrees with you as well, Dagan. He, he you know, having his say beautifully. <laughs> he always has his say. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, he's he's just a little puppy. Don't you worry. Honestly, if you ever see Dagan's dog, he is absolutely massive. He's scary. Anyway, enough about Dagan's dog. That's a different podcast. Let's stop gushing over the fact that we're such a wonderful football club. And let's talk about yesterday. Rain, Sean Dyche, Everton, what could go wrong? Let's go through the starting 11. Um, I can't remember who who was changed for who. Um, so you'll have to forgive me for that. Tom normally does that. I don't deal with it. So it's for Bruggen, Lamptey, Jan Paul Van Hecker, Dunk and Eagle, Gross, Gilmore, Bonanate, Adingra, Ferguson, and Welbeck. Alex, when that lineup was released, was you pretty happy with that one? I don't like 4 4 2. I don't like it when we come out with. I don't think we've ever been effective with Ferguson and Welbeck, to be honest. Um, I, 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 I'm never, whenever I see a lineup, I'm never really that upset or bothered. But I, I always think there's, he's going to lay that up somewhere. But two up front is, is not my favourite, to be honest. I don't think we're great. Uh, Great to see Bonanotto keeping his place. You know, I love him. Um, and yeah, you know, on the whole, solid. Uh, I think the bench looked good as well, right? That's the other thing I look for nowadays is who's who's appearing back on the bench or who's staying there. So it was, of course, lovely to see NCSO on there, which was a which is a real joy. Um, yeah. yeah, he got a wonderful sort of reception as well when he sort of went to oh. to warm up as well, didn't he? Just so heartwarming. And and the other thing we've got to talk about as well. Simon Adingra coming back to the Amex after his, oh, yeah. his, his AFCON win. Uh, was welcomed onto the pitch, first of all, before the squad um, sort of followed behind him. Um, Curtis, we, we sort of spoke about it last week, about how much of a massive achievement that was for our football club. But how nice is it that this football club goes to that that next level to to celebrate not only our success, but but our players' success as well? 
I mean, it's it's a huge confidence booster if your if your team's behind you. You know, I I, I think it's very very important that it, that that we and the club do these things because uh, it makes these players feel wanted. I think uh, so. More of that, please, and more more trophies for our players as well, please. Dunk Euros. <laughs> yeah, or 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 Pascal. I, I wouldn't be. I, I I'll be bothered that England didn't win it. But if it's not England, I would love it for to be you know Pascal Gross. Um, Dagan, you've spoken a lot of times about Ferguson and how effective he is when Jao Pedro's on the pitch with him. What about when Danny Welbeck's on the pitch with him? What do you make of that partnership? Well, I, you know, I have a lot of opinions about Ferguson, and I think he takes a lot of criticism for things he he doesn't do, not so much for things he does do. And for me, I ask myself, okay, well, why why isn't he getting those chances? And is that about him? Or is that about the setup? Is that about you know the service he's getting? Uh, but the the thing that I that I always notice is that often he's getting the bulk of the attention from the center backs um, and getting squeezed. And so what you often see is his partner, whoever that is, is going to get a lot more space and a lot more touches. And if you were asking yourself, wow, Welbeck had so many opportunities. Why did he have so many opportunities? The reason he had so many opportunities and so much space at times was because of Evan Ferguson. If we don't have Ferguson out there, Welbeck typically looks very pedestrian, has a hard time getting on the ball, right? And you're wondering, where's Welbeck? Um, because he, when he's occupying that deeper space, Welbeck, he doesn't get a ton of service either. When Welbeck's the one who's dropping deeper, he's he's great in that capacity and is super into Zerby's system, makes good reads, makes those quick passes back, and then fills space really well. So it's hard to be critical of Welbeck there. For me, where Welbeck falls short is when he has the chances in the box, struggles to get the ball under his feet, and can't really get a clean shot away, or if he does, he, he misfires. So, you, you, But, you know, Ferguson, I think, had 14 touches yesterday. Uh, that one chance where he did drop deeper, then sprinted and won the ball, um, you know, made a beautiful turn out of it, and made a beautiful pass the other side of the pitch, and really kind of opened up, you know, a chance. I think that was one where a dingra fired it left over the bar, maybe. Um, yeah, I I don't have a ton of criticism for Ferguson. He's a 19-year-old kid. He's going to get stronger. Uh, I think, you know, it's tough for him at this point to physically die. Did we lose Dagan again? For any striker, but I think certainly well, for a 19-year-old. Yeah. No, yeah, no, I, I would agree, Dagan. And it's something that me and Curtis pointed out um, yesterday when, when the game started was that Ferguson looked a little bit back to, to, to what we would normally expect from Evan Ferguson. Um, Curtis, what did you think of, of the young Irishman's application yesterday? Did you think probably getting there? Obviously, we've got, a, as Obi said, we've got to, you know, bide our time with him. But I, I think I was pr- pretty impressed with his first half. Yeah, I mean, I thought for the first 20, 30 minutes, he, he looked pretty good. He was taking on his man. He was he's very active and... And, and then, unfortunately, the sort of lethargic nature that he tends to have sort of overcame him a little, which was a shame. Um, and you, I mean, you are right. He is young and he needs time. But how much time does he need as well, on the other hand? Um, but I obviously um, am a Brighton fan, so I'm going to get behind him no matter what. And I hope he does really well. Um, but, you know, you, you want to start seeing something from him because you know he's been off the boil for a little bit now uh but i ho- i desperately hope he starts to pick up form soon because um he's got oodles of potential he just needs to um 
get past his own thing, I think. You know? Yeah, Dagan could, 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 could also be a sense of like he's been built up so much by yeah. everybody, football media, that we expect so much out of him, you know. Um, but he's so young, so yeah. yeah. The other thing I meant to say is, I, mean, I thought his pressing energy was really good yesterday. Um, and they gave the ball away a ton. And I thought, I thought a lot of the pressure was him putting pressure on Pickford and making him just knock it up the pitch and, and give away possession cheaply. Um, you know, w- when he was walking at times, I thought it was, it was after multiple efforts. As, as, as I was done talking, I was thinking about that combination with Welbeck um, and Alex, to your point. I think that's one of the reasons we saw a lot of success with Ferguson when he was playing with Undav last year. Um, because Undav was that other physical presence who could sort of, you know, box out and bully and had to be dealt with. If you gave him space, there was real trouble. Then Ferguson was dropping deeper and receiving the ball and was able to be the runner, right, and find space. I think he has a, a little bit of a tougher time just being, um, you know, sort of the target man, uh, you know, and, and just, yeah, he's he's more stationary in that role. And I think he is at his best often when he's finding the holes versus having to sort of just create them with sheer force. Uh, and again, with when paired with Jao Pedro, you look back at his hat-trick against Newcastle, Newcastle may have liked to stick with Evan Ferguson, but again, Pedro's going to beat somebody and draw that extra defender and create space. So I think I think the, what we see from Ferguson and what the numbers still suggest is he is an elite, elite, elite finisher, right? If he gets space and gets the ball on his foot, he is going to put it in the back of the net with a regularity that is uncommon. And so if if he stops doing that, then I think we can ask what's wrong with Evan Ferguson. Because that's his real strength. I think if he's if he's not doing that, I think we, we have to ask is what are the pieces we're putting around Evan Ferguson and how do we give him chances to strike? Because until we're doing that, I don't I don't think it's fair to be critical of him because we're asking him to step step outside of his real strength at this point. Um can he grow yeah. or but I think it's worth giving him opportunities. I just think we have to really ask questions about, is Danny Welbeck the right partner for him? I would yeah. say no. Yeah. Yeah. Alex, did you have anything to add on that one? Yeah. I would just, just, yeah, agree with you there, Danny. I mean, I, th- I think the problem is if, if Evan's drawing players away for Danny Welbeck, then he's not getting into the position to score, right? Which is what we saw yesterday in the first half. He, he, you know, uh, we just didn't get shots of any kind of real venom on target, you know, and I think that's where Ferguson excels, right? You know, at Thunderbolt. Um, so yeah, let's hope he comes back to it soon. I really hope we see see him scoring again. Yeah, definitely. And something that really grinded my gears, Alex, was uh, Everton won the toss and they changed ends, meaning that we were shooting towards the north stand in the first half. Mind games early on from Everton, do you reckon? They did it. They did it last season, right? I think before the four 0 as well. I think it's uh yeah they there's a couple of teams. There's another team we like to do it as well. I can't remember who, but they like to swap us around. It might be Villa actually or Burnley, one one of them. Um, but yeah, it's mind games in it. They 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 want to play us around. Um, I thought we did okay in the first. I mean, the first half was obviously great. We, we we were playing really well, and it didn't really seem to put us off our stride too much. I thought there was some just incredible one touch passing in the middle of the park around you know around their block, and it. To me, you know, I think I was saying last week against Sheffield United, you know, that that win against United, against Sheffield United, and thinking we can break down those, you know, those big barriers, those those kind of wide barriers of men that are going to stop us trying to score and make space. And I thought 
yeah, maybe we, we were going to get somewhere, but it was just that end product again, unfortunately. But um, my man for Kunda, I thought, was uh, very, very good in the first half. Some really, really amazing strengths and great balls, pressing, tracking back. He, he, he started to look like a complete player now. And to me, I think yesterday, and I think this has been slowly progressing, but he really showed he's got the pace of the English game. I think he, he was on it. His decisions much, much snappier. I think when we've seen him kind of get clogged up before, he's often taken, you know, that that milliseconds, just those slight milliseconds, too long to make the decision and make the pass. And now he seems to be getting it, I think. Yeah. And it was Everton last season where I was really questioning his commitment to the cause because I think we were sort of free three, four down and, and maybe I'm overly critical. Maybe I should have been critical of the whole team, but it notably was him that was walking back um, to defend. But you, you know, against the same opposition, same manager, same sort of physical side that, you know, how far he has come. And it's, it's a total credit to him. Um, you know, I gave him an apology last, last week because as I said, I've been his, his harshest critic, but happily, happily proved wrong. Um, Curtis, what do you make of the young Argentinian, uh, another South American wonder kid for Brighton of Albion? I always thought he had a lot of potential. Um, you know, he seems like a, a, a good kid. And uh, I absolutely agree with what Alex was saying. He seems like a complete player now. Uh, he's really come into his own. He um, is just so impressive. Just the little things he does. It, I, like when you really watch him, it's just it's just so good. Um, so hopefully more of him. Um he reminds me a little bit of like McAllister, which is fun at times. Um, so maybe like a little McAllister 2.0, but obviously he's he's just Facundo Buonanate. Um, but uh, I'm just really happy that he's come along and he's doing really, really well for us now. So Yeah, definitely. Um, something I noted about our first half chances um, were that they were either off target or straight down Pickford's throat. There was one notably from Dunkey uh, from a corner, and which, by the way, I've, I've noticed that we're getting a lot more chances from corners just recently, uh, which is really good to see. And obviously Dunkey getting a few goals uh, of late. Um, Dagan, what, what did you make of our, our chance creation yesterday and, and the quality of chances? Did you think it might be just one of those days for Brighton where it wouldn't fall? Oh, it's it's... <laughs> It certainly felt that way. Uh, Exasperating completely um, watching. It just seemed like it wasn't, wasn't meant to be many that looked like we could have put it on target and we just could not get it on frame. Um, The Welbeck dribbled, you know, dribbled one past the post fairly early on. He had the other where Pickford came out. Oh my gosh. I I thought like he could have left it for a Dingra on his left or he, he just over hit over touched it out in front of him and it rolled out. That that one was painful. Like I was, I was seeing that as a nightmare in my sleep. Um, but the the set pieces look better. They look better. Um, that's that's not an arguable point, really. I, I feel like we're we're getting into better positions. Guys are getting their heads on the ball. We we had at least two. Van Hecke had one. Dunk had another that we headed right at Pickford. Um, but again, at least we're in the air and getting our heads on the ball. You have a chance of scoring. Um, we're getting him over the defense. So Gross seems like he's settled in there. Similarly, the way he's been striking the ball, I was shocked to see Welbeck get that free kick uh, on the edge of the box. There was much discussion. I thought we might actually see Bonadate take it just because I thought a left footer could be interesting there. Um, but I really thought it would be Gross. And uh, alas, it went to Welbeck and he hit it like a Sally March 
penalty at Charleston. Oh, why? Why, David? <laughs> is that a low blow? Is it still, is it still too soon? Too, too soon. <laughs> at least you didn't say Man United at Wembley. That's, that's yeah. Um, now, I want to go to a comment uh, in the comments, funnily enough. Um, Mark uh, Pozzi says that Tarek Lamptey was fantastic. Now, I spoke to Hostman Tom, who was at the game yesterday, and he wanted me to bring up this point, that he doesn't believe... Tariq is completely fit and is just being sort of put into the team. Um, I, I think a, a lot of people were sort of second guessing whether to pass it to, to Lamptey in in space. And I don't know, is he taking on his man like he used to? Is he is he cautious about his injury? Um, Alex, I, I thought personally, I thought Lamptey was was really good yesterday. Um, what what do you make of uh, his his return to the side and um, yeah, his performance yesterday? I think the first game where he came back as a sub at home, I can't remember who it was against now, before the Palace game, he he kind of stood still, didn't he? For like, he came on for like 10 minutes and stood still for 10 minutes and got the ball and immediately passed it to someone else. I mean, he really looked like scared of the, the fragility of his own body and, and like even running, you know, he, he didn't look happy with. But I think since then we've seen him, really push on. Um, I've, I've been enjoying his performances, to tell you the truth. I think it's, it's lovely to see him back. Um, he looks, yeah, okay. I mean, I, I, I think there is still some doubt there. He, he doesn't seem to quite have that explosiveness back. But I think Tarek's kind of changed his mindset a little bit over time anyway. He seems to be standing up a bit stronger. I mean, he's winning headers quite a lot. I, mean, I know he always did, he always did but he, like yesterday, there was a few where you go, oh, he's won another header. He's, you know, he's contesting for the ball in the air, and they're not, they're not small players, Everton. <laughs> they're, they're pretty big, so it's impressive to see him done, kind of doing that kind of work. I think defensively, and and then obviously, you know, the mo- one of the most impressive moments of the game for us yesterday was his, um, uh, his header off the line. Yeah, it was amazing, absolutely incredible. And I, well, I've been watching that back today. The clip came on Twitter today, didn't it? It's yeah. Just, mind-blowing absolutely mind-blowing how he got up for that and the reaction time so he's still there he's still sharp right but i think you're right a little bit less pace a little bit less explosiveness i guess is is what he's kind of lacking at the moment yeah and i i would say that he probably hasn't had that much of, of a run in the team to be quite up to his peak yet um, you know, we, we see him for like three or four games and then he's out injured again. And, you know, Tom always makes a joke that, you know, Tarek Lamptey will play for 10 minutes and then be out for another 11 months and, and we'll never see him again. Um, and whenever we talk about the transfer window, obviously right back is, is a spot of contention. We, we talk about needing a right back and uh, a, a consistent one at that. Um, Curtis, let's talk about that moment then. Sort of half time comes, nil nil. Um, second half begins. I think it was Beto who got the shot away. I thought it was a guaranteed goal. And then Lamptey from nowhere off the line. Um, how much of a relief was that? Yeah, that was um scary. That was in front of us, wasn't it? As well. Um yeah, that that was scary. Um of all the people you expect to make a goal line clearance, I, I didn't think it would be Tarek Lamptey. Um, so, um, yeah, but I'm, I, I agree with what Alex was saying. You know, he, he's been he's been improving in like other areas you wouldn't expect him to be improving in. Like he, he he's he's uh, 
I, th- I think what we take for granted is in big injuries, is it's a very mental thing as much as it is a very physical thing. So it's going to take for him, he might not ever be that same individual that he was. You know, we have to sort of come to terms with, with that fact because, um, but I, I just feel like he's become a, a, a different player now and we have to just sort of um, support him in, in how he plays. Because I don't think he's going to be that that same speedster that we had when we first had him. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I think I think that psychological part's a really astute observation, Curtis. Because I, yeah, I, you've had that many injuries. There's a degree of like, just don't let me get hurt again. Uh, you know, that may not be the most healthy perspective for an athlete, but I think it's a very human one, and I think it's hard to ignore that 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 probably is in there. So I think you're right to point that out. Because people are always like, oh, he's better now. He's back on the pitch. Why isn't he playing the same? And it, yeah, and it's like he's just come through months and months of recovery and thinking to yourself, like, can I still do it? Can I still play the same? Um, but I think to come in and just, just put in a good performance period is, is, is sometimes enough. Um, yeah. You don't need to throw yourself out there and injure yourself even further. So we just need to support him with what he's doing at the moment. So. I think we see a different talent Lampsy based on what position he's playing. Um, notably the the Manchester United away game this season, he played left back and he was absolutely fantastic, easily man of the match. Um, and you know he's been played further up the pitch um, as well at times, uh, right uh, sorry right wing. Um, and I think that position gives him a little bit more freedom um, to to be able to take on his man. I think what he's terrified of as a right back is taking on his man and losing the ball. And leaving us exposed, um, and I think that's probably something Deserby has coached into him. Maybe um, so. I, do, do we look at the injury? Yes, we have to. Um, but then we also have to look at how he is in the setup um, and where he's playing. So um, I think all all things to consider about Tarek Lamptey is, as you say, Curtis, he's an injured player who's come back and might not be the same player, but he's still a fantastic player. Um, when he's on his A game. Um, let's talk, before we talk about the goal, bleh, let's talk about the return of La Joya, Julio and Ciso. Alex, I don't really like it when we make a substitution before a set piece, but we did. But let's just, before we talk about that, let's talk about the return of Julio and Ciso. How good was it to see him back on the football pitch in the in the blue and white stripes? Yeah, well, he got a, a fantastic reception and deservedly so. I think he looked quite cold, right? He's got his hair. It's nice to see that blonde crop back on the pitch, right? Moving, moving fast. It kind of, I don't know. There's something about that. Like Raven in my my days, Ravenelli, right? It's it's that kind of uh, vibe about him that I love. It's kind of you think he's a dangerous player, and he is. And I think, um, yeah, it was it, it was obviously unfortunate the timing of the substitution. Yes, they all have a great laugh and a, and a cheer, and then yeah. Um, that that happened um but yeah yeah, it was good to see him back on yeah for sure um Dagan it's a long ball into the box knocked down and Branthwaite controls the ball fires it far corner frustrating right well I mean of of all the chances they had yesterday the probability of that one being the one that resulted in a goal we just we did such a good job between you know the three center backs. So I know Igor wasn't playing center back of just getting back and breaking up the counterattacking chances. I thought we all looked so locked in 
every time they had a chance, it was just clear that guys were flooding backward. Um, and this one, you know, Veltman just didn't quite get his head all the way on it, and it fell to Branthwaite, who had a sliver of space. I mean, it wasn't like he had acres of space. Um, you know, Ben Hecker was coming, you know, trying to close that space towards him. Uh, I think, Fer- was it Ferguson that got tangled up and went to the ground with Veltman uh, as a part of the initial challenge? So you had a couple of big bodies on the ground at that point. And yeah, Branthwaite, I mean, commentator said, it, it was the strike of a lifetime for, you know, a center back to, to knock that in from there in live play. That is the kind of stuff that just seems to happen to us when we're doing everything else right. Um, if we defended in this game, the way we did last year against this team, I think the result could have looked very similar. Yeah. They had very similar chances in transition. Our style did not play. What did, did not, did not play out differently. What did was just, our recognition and awareness getting back and picking guys up um, and dunk man, just, you know, the, the one tackle he made on Ducore in the first half was I mean, Ducore just like looked at him and just kind of clapped and shook his hand. Like that's, that's pretty yeah, gone good. I mean, that was kind of what we were seeing. And so it was just, yeah, it was deflating and disappointing to have that be the goal that we conceded. It, it did not feel deserved though. I'm sure you could argue, Oh, they had a lot of chances and, it was coming, but that didn't feel like the kind of chance that was emblematic of one that they should have rightly scored on. Yeah, exactly that. Curtis, as I said at the top of the show, rain, Sean Dyche, Everton, three o'clock at the Amex. At that moment when it went in, obviously it was right in front of us, right into the corner where we were sat. And you just think that, okay, yeah, this is just not going to go our way. I actually, you know, it was very deflating and very disappointing. Um, but I, I still believed at that point, I was like, oh, I still think we can get something here if we just, you know, if we just keep at it, keep doing what we're doing because we're being really good, you know, we're pressing and everything. Um, but and then the red card occurred. Um, and then I completely lost faith at that point. Uh, but I'm sure we'll get onto that in a second. But, yeah, but Curtis, um, should 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 they have been down to ten men at that point as well? Deserby got a yellow card hey, listen, because Tarkovsky should have got a second yellow card. Uh, yeah, Dagan's very an- animated. I don't know anything. Um, I'm I'm not a referee, obviously. But um, <laughs> there was a lad behind us yesterday that was that was very angry with the referee. I don't know if you remember. Yes, that. I'm blind. Yes. I'm deaf. I want to be a ref. Basically, uh, but no, it, it was it was crazy. It was it was crazy. De- definitely, maybe should have got another yellow for that. But yeah, um, Dagan, Dagan, unleash, do your thing. So I I don't know what it looked like in person, but I know countless countless times in that game they cut to an incensed Sean Dyche just unloading on anyone in his vicinity, including the fourth official unloading, not a yellow card to be seen. Clearly missed call. Clearly an instance where Tarkowski could have been given a second yellow and sending off. It's not given. Deserby of course responds and boom, instant yellow. The Gilmore Red, are we talking about that? Not yet. Are we, are we holding that? Uh, we, we can talk about it now. Let's let's get out of the way. Go on, Dagan, do, do your thing. I mean, 
Is it is it deserved in isolation? Yes, it's a red card tackle. But then you look moments later, and Man United is playing against Fulham, and Maguire does something at least as bad, certainly more reckless, certainly more harmful, more force involved, and he doesn't get a red. And it the inconsistency is maddening. I'm a new fan. What about Caicedo today, Dagan? Oh, I, I, uh, Maguire yesterday, right? Yeah, I, I'm not. I, like, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna say cup final, different rules. Sure, we'll we'll say that. Right. We'll we'll say they wanted to keep it a, an exciting game. I'm just going to leave that. I'm not even going to address the Kaiseido thing. But the Maguire situation is so clear, similar circumstances, and it's just checking club badge over and over and over again. It's infuriating. When I look at this result, something that helps Everton helps Everton, and it also hurts Luton. Uh, you guys know I have you know thoughts about how these games are officiated and and where things lie and I've done a lot of research and I'm going to keep doing research. I can tell you, I can tell you, here's a fun one for Man United. Here's a fun one. Here's a new stat. In the last 10 years, 10 years, Man United's league position has not once been worse than their position in goal differential. Not one time. Just happens that 10 years in a row, they get the breaks in close games. But it all evens out, everybody. It all evens out. Everything is totally fair, and it all evens out. Just trust me, bro. Just trust me. It's going to even out. We have to be careful, Tegan. We're going to find you unconscious with a ref's whistle like in your throat one day. <laughs> it just... He'll have a blue card in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, I, like, I have like palpitations thinking about the nightmares that will come from the, the blue card if that ever... It's just another way for them to botch things. It, it, yeah, I just can't. Did, did I'm sorry, rant, rant over. I apologize for the conspiracy theories. I just, I want to, I want just to add to your point, Dagan. I found it equally ironic that Everton brought out a sign that says the Premier League is corrupt. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying that the officials lost us the game at all yesterday. That's not what the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is the, the fact that, you know, <laughs> The the, the the circumstances that happened over the weekend point very much to what you're saying, Dagan. And it's just funny that something has benefited Everton when they're on their little Premier League protest. Yeah. Um, but, you know, who am I to say? Yeah, and I, don't, I don't think Everton benefiting against us was intended to help Everton relative to us. But it does help Everton relative to Luton. And it hurts us relative to the other sort of the big six power teams, right? That That's what you see in these fixtures where when you look back through the thread of all of these draws we've had against teams below us and you look at calls not given, yellow cards not given, the Sheffield draw, the Burnley draw, all of those games had moments where we questioned, man, why wasn't that X? And it, yeah, it just adds up. Can we blame mm-hmm. it on you know, corruption or whatever. No, not purely. We should have finished better. But that is true of every team in every game. And what I would invite you to do, and and this is for anybody who's listening, I would love for you to tell me the number of times in these draws where we have benefited from the kind of good luck or good fortune that has been piled upon our opponents in so many instances. Maybe I'm miscounting, but I don't think Mm. they're going to add up the same. But I would love to be proven wrong. So anyone yeah. looking out there, stack them up, send me a list, 
I will I will investigate further, but thank you. Gel Polinia springs to mind, Dagon. Fulham at home. Mm. I, I don't want to open another can of worms, Dagon. Calm down. You're okay. Don't worry. Alex, <laughs> what did you make of uh, the Billy Gilmore sending off? Um, let's let's try and talk about it in isolation because it, yeah. it is our game. Um, do you think it was a red? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, and I thought it was the red at the time. And do you know what? With the Dahoud one, which lots of people have been comparing it to, because they've been trying to say, well, it's the same thing that happened to Billy Gilmore now, that the same that happened to Dahoud. Um, I, did, I didn't think that was a red from where I was seeing. So I was like, what's going on? Why has he been sent off for that one? I I, I thought, yeah, okay, that's that's fair game, actually. And, and watching the replay, obviously, it, it, you know, you can see those givens. If it was against us, we'd be screaming for it. You know, we absolutely would. Um, did he mean it? No, no, of course he didn't. It was just, a, it was just, just, just a clumsy tackle. You know, it's unfortunate clumsy tackle at a, a really, really bad time for us in the game. Uh, you know, you just don't want to lose, you lose your, your central midfielder at that point. Um, so yeah, I feel for him, and and we've lost him for three matches now, right? So again, yeah. that's 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 tough. He's going to miss the Wolves game, obviously on Wednesday, and then. Uh, what else did he, he miss? Fulham away and then City, right? Forest. 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 Yeah, of course, yeah. Forest at home. So, you know, you don't want to lose Billy for them. Um, we, we, you know, there's been a lot of talk about who's going to replace him as well. We ran a little poll on Twitter and and a large amount of people wanted Belieber to come in and fill that over someone, say, Moda, for example. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think Belieber's... Or another. A lot of people's lips. Or another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd had a few beers. That's why I put gross as an option as well. <laughs> gross and gross. Although, who, would, who wouldn't vote for gross and gross? I mean, double gross. <laughs> I would love two of those men in my team. Yeah, yeah exactly. has spoken many times about wanting to speak to Mr. and Mrs. Pascal Gross about <laughs> whether there is a, a twin brother who is quite as good at, as, at football as, as Pascal. Um Let's not stay on the point of the red for too long. Um, the only thing I wanted to bring up with you, Curtis, was there was a little bit of to and fro's between a few Brighton fans on X, as there normally is after a result that hasn't quite gone our way, um, that we shouldn't have been clapping Billy Gilmore off the pitch after getting a red card. What do you make of that? Listen, I, I, I get where people are coming from. Um, we shouldn't be applauding... Uh, sort of like bad behaviour, like their kids or something. Um, but ultimately, still our player. Uh, you, you can clap. You, you don't have to clap. It's up to you. Um, but ultimately, ultimately, I don't really care about it that much. Uh, and I, I clapped him off. So, yeah. What? Who are, who are these people? I'm, I'm entirely unaware of who these people are. It, it wasn't intentional, period. Like, uh, yeah, I... Billy Gilmore has done little to draw the ire, I think, of our fan base. Would you have clapped him in the stadium, Dagan? A thousand percent. Like, look, we are all on the same team. We are all on the same team. Like, that was an action in good faith. It was bad, and it was an error, but it it there was no intent there. It's going to happen. Guys are going to make errors. And I think at the point at which, you know, if if we've decided that Billy Gilmore is not good enough because of that one error, then then maybe we turn on him. Uh, I still don't think it's great, a great look for a team. Um, I don't I don't boo Adam Webster 
from my couch and wouldn't in the stadium. And look, I know I'm I'm a plastic fan, I guess, uh, for for not being there. Um, so it's a long trip. Uh, you were but- at the Golston Ground. But I'm not going to berate him excessively online. I know on here I give him a little bit of – thank you. <laughs> I give him a little bit of a hard time here, and and I give honest opinions. But I think not applauding a guy at his lowest is not a great look. And Gilmore looked – he looked distraught. Um, like what what he did is not what Holgate did last week. It's not the same thing, right? And his fans defended him. <laughs> uh, yeah. So certainly Billy Gilmore is worthy of applause. I, I hadn't even heard that. I hadn't heard any discussion about that. That's just sorry to react. I just was blindsided. No, I saw I just saw a couple of people having a discussion about it. I thought it'd be interesting to bring up um on on the pod. Um but let's talk about the salvation moment from Captain Fantastic. Um well, let's talk about the brilliance of Pascal Gross, first of all, Alex. Um I saw a tweet saying that he's rated third best in the Premier League at the moment based on ratings alone. Um, Two gross turns. I'm not going to call them Cruyff turns anymore. Two gross turns. Delicious ball into the box and the captain attacks it with aplomb. Relieved? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. 96th, was it? 97th? I can't remember. I think it was 96th. And we were so tense at that point, right? I think we were sitting there, you know, you, at that point you are watching every ball so intently. I, I know I do. And it's and that's the when I'm like, come on, I'm just like screaming. And then, yeah, the, the two turns. And that looked like it was in slow motion to me. I was like, what's he done? Oh, he's, whoa. And then the ball. And then, oh, yes. The, it was just rapturous, man. It was so good. What a relief. It's always, it's always nice. For the Amex, I think we could be quite tense sometimes. I think our stadium and our crowd, <laughs> we're quite we're a little bit tense sometimes. We're a little bit reserved. Uh, and, you know, we, we're when we're up against it, it can be a little bit like, ooh. But, yeah, I mean, it's a, a huge, huge relief throughout the stadium. And just see the celebrations. Bart celebrations. I didn't see I didn't see because I was obviously I was concentrating on the other end, but I saw the tweet of him just going absolutely bonkers. And that's great. And we should probably mention something about Bart in a minute, actually. But, um, mm. yeah, brilliant stuff. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. And save the point. And, you know, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Good, 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 solid captains saving, saving in the team. Yeah, as the commentary said, a big captain's contribution uh, to see the Albion uh, get at least a point. Um, yeah, the Bart celebrations were fantastic. Um, I personally believe that Bart Verbruggen should be our number one going forwards. There has to be that consistency from now on. I, I brought it up on the last podcast as well. Um, so, yeah, the, the Bart celebration, the, the guys are saying it in the chat, was just so wholesome to, to see. And, and the club needs to post a slow-mo version i feel um i i think he was asking if he could go up for that um set piece initially uh, and then obviously it broke to pascal and then and then what happened happened so um i think he was celebrating as if he was up there with the lads um so yeah nice to see nice to see another goalkeeper sort of celebrating i remember matty ryan obviously running along to to celebrate with his kiedo a few times I love it when the goalkeepers get involved like that. Um, Curtis, obviously, in the ground at the time. Um, 
a lot of people sort of umming and ahhing whether to leave. Uh, I knew there was a, a dad and, and and his kids behind me. The dad was saying, no, we need to leave. We need to get the train. We need to beat the rush. We're going to leave on 94 minutes and that's it. Um, and the kids were saying, dad, I can feel it. We're going to score. We're going to score. And we did. So, yeah, Curtis, how, how relieved were you? I mean, I was, I was sat by that wall and I was sort of like this, just going, come on, just something. And I went absolutely bananas, absolutely bananas. I, you know, I came down, I was celebrating with you and Sony. I was like, yeah, oh my God. Ah. And then I went back to my seat and the security guard was staring at me like, like that. I was like, um, but I, 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 it was unbelievable. Um, what a contribution, as, as you said, I mean, what a perfect time for him to do that at the 95th minute. Mm. I believe they call that limbs, maybe. I don't know. Utter, utter limbs. It was, yeah, fantastic to see. Um, And you you mentioned a perfect time to do it, the perfect game to do it as well. 400 league appearances for our captain. Um, Alex, you're sitting right from the with Dean all the way through to Wembley and to Europe now. Explain Lewis Dunk to the best that you possibly can. Let, let's let make this the Lewis Dunk appreciation section. Comments, please put in all of the Lewis Dunk appreciation you possibly can. Our captain, fantastic. How, just how important is he to, to how this team is, is succeeding at the moment? Uh, to, ha- to have a player who stays at the club for that long is, is just so important. It, it really binds the rest of the team around you. Obviously, we've got Soddy as well. He's been there for a long time. To, to have someone who's, who's been on the journey with us and also is representing his country, is an international. You know, we've all been shouting for that for a long time. It came way too late, I think, for for most of us. But I think to, to be recognised at that level and to have where he's come from with us all, with, with, with well, with the vast majority of us, <laughs> with older, those of us older to remember, it's just insane. It's just brilliant. And... He still does it. He still blocks. He still gets down and pulls off. You know, he, you know, as you said earlier, Dagan, the, the tackle against, um, oh, what's his name? I forgot, Decore. You know, he can still pull those off. He's, his mind is sharp. And the man could take a free kick as well, right? He's, he's the full player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A few of those free kicks have definitely not gone straight into the wall, Alex. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tom, Tom's just said in the chat. Peter Ward has Lewis Dunk PJs, and Bobby Zamora has a Lewis Dunk poster in his bedroom. I have heard that is very much true. Um, so the Albion salvage a point against the sticky little toffees that are managed by Sean Dyche. Um, let's go for the man of the match nominations Dagan I'm going to come to you first my friend well I mean you kind of set the stage there Lewis Carl Dunk is the man of the match both for saving us on a few occasions and for bringing us through in the in the final moments uh honorable mention almost three in a row for Pascal Gross and uh I'm gonna throw a you know I like to do my little my little tower I I always sort of construct my tower of three um and my my third name would be Bonanate. I thought his counter pressing, uh, when he when he whenever he lost the ball was was tremendous. And Alex, you did mention that earlier, and I I I just was really impressed with him all around the pitch. Yep, yep, that's a, a very good shout on all three. Um, but Lewis Dunk coming out on top for Dagan Curtis. Who do you think was your man on the match? 
the weatherman for saying the rain would stop at three, uh, which was very good. But uh, other than Absolutely him... Absolutely spot on. Uh, other than him, um, I thought Van Heck was fantastic yesterday, as per usual now. He's just... He is just an absolute unit. And we were discussing before we started this about how he's probably going to become the captain, you know, eventually. And that's a really exciting prospect because I think he's bloody fantastic. Um, so he might, he made some really uh, um, important challenges yesterday too. Um, we've not just spoken about him actually much on the pod, but I no. think I feel like we don't actually have to anymore because we just know how good he always is seemingly. Just consistent, just Mr. Consistent. So, yeah, Van Heck for me. Fair enough. Another centre-back. So both centre-backs getting uh, the the man of the match uh, from Dagan and Curtis. Alex, are you going to go for Igor to make it three? <laughs> <laughs> no, not Igor, unfortunately. Um, although with Igor, I, I do think uh, he is going to dribble the entire length of the pitch and score a goal at some point. Hopefully by the time this season out. But you can see he's got it in him, right? He's tried it a couple of times now, but yeah. Um, it's, it's. I mean, I was, Curtis, you stole the words right out of my mouth, uh, my mouth about John Paul. Uh, I thought he had an absolutely tremendous game again. You know, that partnership now, I mean, Webster's not good looking, has he? I, I, those two are just so solid now. And uh, I think I agree with you, Joe. I think Bart needs a run behind them both as well. I think that'll give us some solidity. It's it's done for me though. Sorry, I, I you know I think he just got it by by scoring the goal. That 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 earns him the award. Yeah, I think it, for, for me, uh, my man of the match would also go to Lewis Dunk. I think it was an ultimate captain's performance um, and and capped off by saving a point for us, which could be extremely important come the end of the season. Um, it's it's no shade on uh, the other players who, who performed excellently well. Um, Pascal Gross getting the FOP mob man of the match yesterday and obviously creating chances for, for, for days. Um, you know, we could gush about Pascal Gross for for a whole hour uh, if if we could. Um, we know how good he is, uh, and Curtis, you're just spot on about Jean Paul Van Hecker. I think, you know, uh, when when there's a performance where other people have have been excellent as well, we forget about those who have just quietly gone about their job. Um, so we've got to give him an honourable mention. Uh, but yeah, Lewis Dunk for me, um, and Gareth Southgate, get him in your England squad or else we will be tracking you down, my friend. Um, that's not a threat, just legally. I have to say that. That's not a threat. Anyway, that is the end of our uh, match analysis of the Everton game. Let's look ahead to our next game, which comes on Wednesday evening. We take the trip to the West Midlands to Wolverhampton to play Wolves in the FA Cup. Dagan, how are you feeling ahead of that one, mate? Um, Cunha being out makes me feel a little better. Uh, I think I think the Wolves' attack is far less potent um, without him in the center of it. With that said, they they're tough, like Sarabia and Neto. Um, and Huang all are are threatening. I just think Cunha is the, the special kind of straw that that stirs the drink uh, in terms of just his ability to get on the ball and finish at the end. Uh, today they had all the creation, but had trouble scoring against Sheffield. And to me, he he brings that that final element that you know there just aren't a lot of guys who seem to have that knack. Uh, they're 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 playing well. They're getting results. It certainly worries me. We have tended to fare 
well against them though we just drew most recently right is that is that correct am i remembering correctly yeah it's like Nil-nil, drawn wasn't it yeah 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 that was a shocking result for those two teams um you know it's it's obviously a way which is a concern and you expect they'll be up for it um, do i need do i need to give a score here is that what, what i'm doing that's that has to happen right uh i'm i'm gonna say we're we're gonna get back on the goal scoring track and i'm gonna i'm gonna go with a three one or one three to the albion I'll take that. Um, Tom is in the comments apologizing to all the Brighton fans who have to travel up to his neck of the woods. And so he passes his sincere apologies on to anyone making the trip on Wednesday evening. Um, Curtis, let's get your score predictions ahead of Wolves, mate. Um, it's going to be a tough game. Um, but I watched them today playing Sheffield. And I didn't think it looked that good, to be honest. And that was against Sheffield. Um who are uh, a bit crap this season, in my opinion. Um, That's just my impartial view. Um, Curtis Friend's views do not reflect on Dow being obsessed. Um, But uh, I I think we win. I I, I think it would be 3-1, I think, to the Albion. I think it will be a pretty strong game, but I do feel like they will score. Uh, But I'm, I'm very confident, as I always like to be, going into games. Um, But yeah, don't see why we can't get points there. Curtis, Mr. Confident, always, as Dagan says, tapping that belief sign, uh, which is a lovely reference to Ted Lasso. If if anyone hasn't watched Ted Lasso yet, please do. This is not an advertisement. We are not endorsed or sponsored by Apple, um, although we would love to be. Um, so Apple, if you're watching, drop us your pennies. Um, Alex, uh, I've had to make a disclaimer. Curtis has made a disclaimer. Um, please don't put Albion obsessed in any more legal trouble. Um, but what do you think ahead of the Wolves game? Uh, I know Dagan didn't make a disclaimer about his claims, but we won't we won't go back on those. Um, yeah, the you know it's not not again not been a great hunting ground for us. It, it, the the, the goalless draw was really disappointing to me. I was expecting that to be far more open, be far more exciting. You know, we've had some really good open games. To them, I'm hoping because it's a cup match. It'll get back to that. I think it's going to be, there's going to be goals in it. I think, I think we're going to 3-2. I think it's going to be a really good one. 3-2. Lovely. Um, I once made a really stupid claim that I, I didn't really care that much about cup games. Uh, this was before we played Arsenal in the Carabao Cup because I sort of thought, oh, we're going to lose. So I'm just going to set myself up for disappointment and say that I don't care about it so I don't get hurt. I care about them more than I could ever explain. Um, but there we are. Um, yeah, I think it's going to, as everyone said, uh, it's going to be a very tough game. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not feeling overly confident. Let's go for a draw. And do we bring it back to a replay? I was just about to ask that as well. Is it a replay this round? I think it is, is it a isn't replay it? Or straight I into... think it's a replay, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think the rotation that quickly is, I don't know. I'm not feeling overly confident. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Um, but yeah, let's let's leave the podcast off on that sour note um, and hope everyone has a great week knowing that, you know, I think that we're going to draw against Wolves. Um, Dagan, you didn't look overly pleased with that. Have you got anything to say to me before we leave? I'm trying to, I was thinking that last round was the last round of the, the replays, but is that not right? Mm, possibly. No. I don't know. Anyone in the chat, let us know. Okay. Um, I don't want to go extra time penalties. Do we have any uh, any other notes that we need to make today, Joe? 
there aren't any notes that we need to make as of yet, but there are maybe some in the pipeline. Um, I do want to quickly shout out One Clop Shop for 10% uh, off your football shirt needs. Um, that will be in the description a little bit later on because I forgot to put them in. I'm very sorry. 10% Joe, that's a great deal. I know. Um, yeah, but honestly, they're, they're really good guys. Um, they're all run. Uh, it's a it's a local business. Um, all run from from I, I assume a home. Um, and yeah, go support local businesses. They need you. Um, but yeah, any any anyone got anything else to say before we leave? No? I just want to shout out everybody in the chat. Always makes mm. it fun for me to be able to type away a little bit and occupy my busy brain with uh, with chatting while we're chatting. And uh, Posy Paz says no replays. So, no replays. Cool. So you're you're calling an extra time winner. You're saying winning on PKs. Oh, what, what do you got? Like that. Yeah, let's win on penalties. Go on. Why not? Sorry, like to say, make sure to head over to the Brighton Have Albion Reddit. Of course. Of course. That's my man. I'll put the link up in the chat again. We're still trying to chase down Palace on their Reddit. Uh, you know. And hopefully, uh, hopefully, also none of us get sent round to Deserbies for pasta this week, right? I think that's uh, <laughs> getting trouble no. with the boss. Find the bench. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. I, don't I don't even like pasta, and I'll be there. <laughs> um, right. Uh, just before we leave, I don't really plug us. I don't really ask people to subscribe to us that much because I just feel like it's not the dumb thing to do. But we are trying to hit a thousand subscribers by the end of this season. I know we haven't got long left to go, but it would be an extremely special thing for me and the team to achieve that uh, by the end of the season. We love hanging out with you guys on, on live streams. We're going to plan to do more of them as the season goes on. There are things in the pipeline that could make things even more exciting for the Albion Obsessed team, but we'll keep quiet on those just for now. But yeah, subscribe. There's big things coming. I'm going to sign off now because I'm rambling wherever you may be, whenever you may be. Tom, I see you in the chat. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.